Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. You may know by now, because you've heard me say it before on previous podcasts, that I am a very strong proponent of having multiple income streams. Now, if through my books and my podcast, I haven't convinced you that this is a must-have, that it's better than a good idea, COVID-19 should have convinced you. Jobs have disappeared because people have remained at home. If you hearken back 10 years ago, you'll remember when we had the Great Recession. There were a lot of jobs lost then. And unfortunately, I don't think that people learned the valuable lesson they could have learned in 2008-2009 when uh, the workforces shrunk. They're shrinking again. And they will continue to shrink because of technological innovations, uh, such as artificial intelligence, AI. Now, to me, it's abundantly clear that jobs that exist today may not exist five years from now. AI is not the only cause. Jobs have been lost before, really, because of management decisions, because of change in circumstances, because businesses go out of business. There are a number of reasons that jobs disappear. People's desires, wants, they change. You may want to watch TV shows on your phone rather than a television. So the TV industry may change. Entertainment has changed. Some jobs are eliminated, some other jobs replace them, but not always. Now, my guest today is Michelle Bannister, and she exemplifies what developing multiple income streams looks like. Michelle, I'm going to read her bio so I don't leave anything out. Michelle is a registered nurse, a certified coach, a speaker, educator, and trainer a radio host, and an award-winning author. Her goal is to help others reach their full potential by providing information in a concise, direct-to-the-point manner. 
Michelle offers coaching and professional writing services such as social media posting, articles, resumes, and blogs. Her books are written under her pen name, which is Michelle Sipianos. Is that right? Spicanus. Spicanus. That's Greek, isn't it? Yes. My favorite country. I mean, you know, to travel. Michelle's radio and TV program is entitled Life with Open Pages. Now, before I welcome Michelle, let me spell her last name for you. It's S is in Sam, F is in Frank, A-K-I-A-N-O-S. We don't want you to try to find her book and not be able to spell her last name. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, Michelle, before we dive in, well, let me tell you how, before we go into that, before we start, let me lay the groundwork, the foundation, as we say in in legal parlance. I met Michelle virtually uh, several, a couple months ago, and she was kind enough to invite me to be a guest on her TV radio show. And I enjoyed it so much. She gave me the opportunity to promote my book, Your GPS to Employment Success, How to Find and Succeed in the Right Job, which is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at independent bookstores. And she was so good at what she did in terms of interviewing me and making me feel comfortable. And when I I remembered from her uh, LinkedIn profile that she had a number of let me say, occupations. And I said, you know, she's emblematic of the person that I can use as an example. This is what developing multiple income streams looks like. So before we dive into all those things you do, Michelle, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Okay. Well, I was born and raised in Homestead, Florida, so I am a true Florida native, which is very rare to find. We moved over here to the west coast of Florida, to the Fort Myers and Naples area, back in 2001. So I've been in this area for the most part, a little over 20 years. Both of my children live here, as well as my grandchildren. And, you know, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful area of Florida to live in. I have had many different positions and jobs and careers. I consider myself a lifelong learner. I absolutely love to learn. I love to read. I love to write books. I've written 16 books to date. I'm working on number 17 now. Wow. And it's just really something that I feel strongly about that, you know, there, there really are no excuses for not improving your life, your situation. There's always a way, you know, where they say where there's a will, there's a way. There is. And there's plenty of resources out there that can point you in the right direction. So the only person that, you know, can take responsibility for moving is yourself. So... You grew up in Florida. When you were in high school, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you know where you were going, the direction you wanted your career to take after graduation from high school? Not really. When I was in high school, I was a cheerleader. I was in dancing. I did 
Uh, I was a dance teacher as well. And I thought really my path was going to be entertainment. And as far as dancing and, and that kind of entertainment. And so when I decided to go to college, when I looked at what was available, I thought, well, the up and coming degree, I guess you'd say, would be computer programming at the time. And so I did go to to school for computer programming and I ended up getting married and had my first child. I think I was six weeks pregnant when I graduated college. So nobody would hire me. So I never really got to work in that line of work uh, until later on in life. And it was kind of funny how everything tied together uh, because later on I had gotten a divorce and I had two children at the time, and I thought, wow, how am I going to you know, work to support these two children? And I actually looked back at the schooling. I looked back at online jobs, and I thought, wow, okay, so now what pays good and what can I do? Because I never really was a computer programmer per se. So I saw that most of the positions in the newspaper that paid well was for nursing. So I thought, well, how hard can it be? So I contacted the local college and I I asked, you know, how many credits would transfer and how could I obtain this nursing degree? What's the quickest way to do it? And so I worked three part-time jobs, raising two children and went to school full-time to become a registered nurse. Good on you. Good. You know, I went to law school at night and worked a full-time job, but what you, you, you had, you had more responsibility than I had. When I finished what I was doing, I could just go to sleep. Right. (laughs) How did that work out for you? I mean, did you feel overwhelmed? At times. That's arduous. Yes. At, at times it was a bit overwhelming, but you know, I was pretty lucky because The kids and I were living at my mom's house and I was helping her out. So it it was kind of a win-win, you know, she helped me, I helped her. And so being able to, you know, work those jobs, most of the jobs that I worked, like I said, they were part-time. And so my kids were in school most of the time. So I really didn't miss a lot of time with them. There were some evenings that, you know, I did miss with them. But for the most part, I really tried really hard to arrange my schedule so that everything was done while they were at school and after school care. Now, you know, nursing and COVID, first of all, thank you for being first line against COVID. I mean, so many people, we've lost so many people. Yes. It's just tragic. And it's people like you who are keeping us moving forward. What's been your experience? during this very trying, unusually trying time? Well, my first year uh, in 2020 with COVID, I actually worked in a cardiologist office and we were still seeing patients. For the most part, we still had some patients coming into the office, but most of our appointments were going to a virtual type, you know, online appointment, but they were able to keep the office open. So I never really had to stay home. And then I went into school nursing and I was in the schools because, you know, Florida didn't shut down for long as far as the schools. So all this time up until this past Monday, I was working in schools with children 
we were required to wear masks, but the children and the teachers were not required to wear masks. So it was really quite the experience of, you know, how well can you protect yourself? How well are the children being protected? And it really honestly wasn't that bad. That's good to hear. That's really good to hear. Is nursing a profession that you would recommend to maybe our listeners? Anyone listening who's undecided about what career path might suit them? It is. I do highly recommend it. And the reason why is there are so many different areas of nursing that you can go into. When I first became a nurse, I was on a med surge floor, learned a lot because I worked at a small hospital. Medical surgical? Yes, medical surgical. And I learned a lot. And then I went into nurse recruitment. So I did that for about a couple of years, about two years. And it was really interesting because as a nurse, you interview other nurses and you can really learn to spot those that really can do a job or a good job or those that, you know, maybe might be lying a little bit on, on their resume. But it's, you know, it's, it was a very, very interesting part of the career. I then went into the computer area, the information technology area, because I did have the degree and understanding of computer programming, as well as my nursing degree. And the two tied together just beautifully, because I was able to talk both languages. So I could interpret the computer lingo for the nurses and the nursing lingo for the computer guys. And so it just really worked out to be a wonderful job. I ended up installing computer systems in hospitals for doctors and nurses with a very large company. I traveled for four years and got to see a lot of the United States. So it was really interesting. Uh, it wasn't, it was in 2016 that one company bought out another company and basically offered us severance packages to leave. So that was kind of when my career had to kind of start over. <laughs> it wasn't easy. I did real estate for a couple of years, just trying that out to see if it was something I wanted to do. And, and I always knew that nursing was still calling my name back. And that was how I ended up at the cardiologist office. Well, you've had a very eclectic employment journey thus far. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping go no, go ahead. I'm it, sorry. It's definitely kept things very interesting. You know, the beauty of all of this was I worked from home for over 16 years as this nurse slash computer geek. And uh, so that's kind of what gave me the opportunity to start writing my books. Before we go into your TV and radio program, tell us about your books. Okay. I, like I said, I've written 16 books to date. My very first book happened because my daughter and my grandson were living with us at the time and she wanted to move out. And I thought, wow, I'm probably a pretty good enabler. So <laughs> I, I wasn't sure how well she could take care of herself and my grandson. So I kind of started taking notes. Well, about that time, my friend's son had been in a motorcycle accident and oh. he was having to learn things over from scratch. 
So she's like, hey, if you're making those notes, I sure could use them for my son. You should write a book. And I thought, hmm, I wonder how hard this is. So I did some research. I actually read a book on how to write a book and what you need to do to be your own publisher. And so I did. That, that's, <laughs> that was my first book. And uh, I created a 411 series. I have the 411 on life skills because it's all information. It's all just like, like you said earlier, direct and to the point in a concise manner. You know, I did the 411 on surviving teenhood, the, a book for teens and, and their parents, the 411 on surviving step parenting. And then I kind of branched out after that and uh, continued with. I did do a 411 on reinventing yourself because, you know, a lot of us go back into the workforce after a long time and really we aren't sure what to do. You know, how do we interview and who do we contact and how do we polish ourselves up? You know, so there were just different times of life that I needed to, to address in all these different areas. So that's what I did. You're absolutely right. The the need to reinvent yourself if you've been out of the workforce for any period of time and you're going back in, you need to make sure that you're presenting yourself in a fashion that will make people feel that you have your high energy, that you're engaged. Yes. But I find that especially more experienced people feel that their resume speaks for them. They've accomplished so much and they're so experienced that that's enough. And unfortunately, it isn't. It is not, not in today, because there's too many algorithms and too many things that are hindering people from even getting that initial interview. No, that's true. You know, I've said this in previous, told this story in previous podcast interviews that I saw an HR person. It was, a, a you know, some TV show and she was lamenting that she wasn't getting job interviews. And, you know, she stalled her experience. She was an HR professional of, oh, I don't know how many years. And she had a wealth of experience and she wasn't getting any, any interviews. And I looked at her and she looked almost monochromatic. You know, she knew she was going to be on television, but it looked as though she had done nothing to spruce herself up. Okay. You know what I mean? I mean, now a lot of women don't wear a lot of makeup and and that's fine. But if you're going to be on television in a video on a Zoom meeting and it's it's an interview or something like that, you have to. Buff yourself up, as I call it. Yes. You have to add a little pizzazz because the Zoom platform will drain you out. Yes. Television will take will make you a believer. <laughs> you know, yes. I tried to tell my friends, you don't want to go on that Zoom call without your makeup. And it doesn't have to be heavy, but you need to brighten up. And she hadn't done that. Oh. And I knew she wouldn't, if she didn't change her appearance, it would be difficult for her to get a job. Yes. And because the competition is fierce. That's true. You know, you have to stand out. You have to do everything that you possibly can 
to stand out and be somebody. No, you're absolutely right. Now, how did you segue from nursing to your TV and radio program? Well, it was kind of a progressive act. I started with my books. And in writing my books, I realized, you know, that that would open doors for speaking and different types of engagements, training, education. And I thought I really wanted to, to be intelligent enough in front of people. And I needed the training. I could, I wasn't just going to step out and do it. So I actually became a John Maxwell certified coach, speaker, and trainer so that when I did get speaking gigs, I would look intelligent and um, just be able to help people. And that was when I kind of discovered, wow, I love coaching, whether it's small business coaching, personal coaching, life coaching. I love coaching. So as my coaching business had, you know, picked up and done really well. And then, of course, COVID hit and I lost my coaching business. That opened up a platform for me to start doing podcasting. I thought, you know, if I can't help individual people, I'll just jump on a podcast and record these podcasts and help a lot of people. And about that time, I had an email from a, a colleague of mine that we'd stayed in touch for when been about 10, 11 years, I guess. And he's the producer of the live radio show that I do. And so I reached out to him and I thought, hey, maybe it's time to, to finally try this and, and let's try this and, and see how it works. So I've been doing it now for about five months and I still keep my podcast going. And it's, you know, it's working out well because I feel that it's a very, uh, it's very important for me to help others to succeed and to live the life they were meant to live. So these platforms allow me that opportunity. And I'm just so grateful for all of them. Well, why don't you tell people what you do and how they can get in touch with you if they need your services? Okay. Well, my website is openpagespublishing.com. And from that website, you can purchase books. You can look at the, my service offerings, such as I do blog posting. I do social media posting. I'll write articles for you. Um, I actually used to help people publish their own book, but that got a little too involved. So I've pulled back from that. But I will coach you if you're thinking about writing a book. I offer coaching services to really help you dig deep down and determine if you really want to write that book or not, if you really want to go through, because it's a, a, a process, you know, it's, everybody thinks, oh, it's easy to write a book. I had a guy one time at a, a book show, <laughs> he came up to me and he goes, so I got a manuscript. He goes, so how do I publish it and start making money? And I kind of looked at him and I said, when you figure that out, you let me know. Right. You know, you don't, you don't just do that and, and wait for the checks to come in and sign them. You know, it, it takes a lot of work, a lot of research. So I, you know, would love to coach people on, on writing their book. And you can also link out to my podcast as well as my live show. I have my recordings out there as well on the website. So it's kind of a one-stop shop for everything. And it's just, like I said, I know I was put here 
to help people. And I will do whatever it takes to make sure that someone else succeeds. And that's what brings me great joy. You know, I feel the same way. It distresses me when I see people and hear them more than see them. Mm -hmm. But I hear people say, you know, I've been working here six months. It's time for a promotion. And I'm thinking, what planet do you live on? Wow. Yeah. What contribution could you have made in six months to warrant a promotion? Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know what your skill set is, but you know, that's unusual. That's very unusual. Or, you know, the great resignation. What do you think? What do you think about that? You know, (laughs) I love when people say, well, if I'm not going to get this or that, then I'll just quit. You know, (laughs) there's a lot of people looking for jobs right now. And there are a lot of people who have jobs that don't want them that would, someone would just absolutely love to take your place. I would just say, be very careful in what you say and how much you complain, because those people that complain are eventually let go to allow an opportunity for someone who really wants that job to come through the door. So be very careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Because, you know, I'm hearing phrases like employees have leverage. And I'm thinking some do, most don't. Yes. You know, they're making offers, you know, adding more benefits, uh, more time off. I said, okay, a friend of mine, and I've told this story before, but it, it blows my mind. When I heard about the great resignation, I was concerned. Because I've been in the room where executive staffing decisions are made as an attorney and otherwise. And I'm telling you, employees don't usually have leverage. And I was wondering where this was coming from. And by happenstance, a friend called and said she needed to ask me a question. Her friend, her friend's husband had been contacted by HR. This was recent, you know, in the Mm -hmm. last years during COVID. They've been working remotely. They said this must have been, call it, uh, last August. Mm -hmm. They're going back into the office in September. And the husband says, well, you know, I really like working from home. Is Is there a possibility that I could continue to do that? And the HR person, according to what I'm told, obviously I wasn't there, Mm -hmm. says, let me get back to you. A couple of days later, she gets back to him and she says, we'll accept your resignation. Wow. Now, I mean, that may be unusual. I don't know. I'm, But I'm not surprised. I don't know whether what I was told was factually accurate. Mm-hmm. But based on what, I, what my friend was told, I believe she told me the truth because I know her well enough to know that she doesn't embellish. Sure. But that's off-putting. And if you want to leave, you make, I agree, make sure that you have another job. Yes. But I'm told that people these days don't feel that they need to do that. And, you know, <laughs> maybe they don't. <laughs> One of the things that I'm really just kind of blown away by is with this younger generation that they don't feel the need to give a two-week notice to leave a job. No, they don't. I have seen so many that just, oh, well, they go in and today's my last day. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it just really just blows my mind. Of course, you know, I'm a bit old fashioned and, and I believe still that, you know, you leave a place, you need to give an ample notice, leave on good terms because, you know, whether you think you need it or not, you may need that reference. They don't think about that. They don't. And see, that goes to personal branding. Yes. You know, if you leave a job with less than two weeks notice, it's going to leave a bad taste in the employer's mouth. Yes. You never need that. You don't know which way life is going to take you. You don't know what opportunity is going to present itself. And to your point, you may need that person, that employer as a reference. You may, the word about you leaving uh, without giving adequate notice, someone else may say something about it. It may follow you. Yes. You can't afford that. You really can't afford that. People need to realize that you can do it. And see, you know, in my book, I say, you know, you give two weeks notice, but I know that people do what they're going to want to do. You know, it's, you know, the advice I give, I call it information. I give information for people to use it as they see fit. Advice is freely given and not always taken. And that's fine. Yes. But I think that people should know that you may not even be aware that you're being penalized for it, for what you did in the past. And you won't get the job you want. And who can afford to close the door on opportunities that haven't even presented themselves to you yet? Exactly. But, you know, I, um, (laughs) I know that you're right. They don't give the traditional two weeks notice. Now, we're about to end. Is there anything, um, any advice, any information you'd like to leave our listeners with? Sure. Just really think hard about your life, where you are, where you'd like to be, and start working from where you want to be and backwards. And the reason for that is you need a path to get you there. If it's going to be take a class, take a class. If it's going to be read a book, sit down and and find a good book that's going to get you to where you want to be. Find a mentor. Mentors are very important, but be very respectable of their time and their efforts. There is so much out there for you if you want to improve your life. But again, you have to take the first step. I agree 100%, Michelle. And thank you so much for sharing your employment journey and the wealth of information that you've amassed over the years as, you, as you've moved from position to position, training to training. And you are definitely a role model for those who are prepared to embrace my uh, suggestion <laughs> that they develop multiple income streams. Yes. It's served to your benefit. Absolutely. And thank you for having me on your show today. Okay. Be well. And everyone, if you're so inclined, please leave a review. We would much appreciate it. And again, my new book is Your GPS to Employment Success, How to Find and Succeed in the Right Job, available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and independent bookstores. Until the next time, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. 
Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.